Hello, and welcome to RD and the Inbetweens. I'm your host, Kelly Priest, and every fortnight I talk to a different guest about researchers, development, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to the second in our series on decolonising research. In this episode, we hear from Dr Richard Hall from De Montfort University talking about decolonising DMU and the PGR experience. Let's get the show on the road then. Um, thank you ever so much for the invite, um, Chris, and to Kelly as well. Um, that was, it's uh, always lovely to get... Um, invited down to come talk about work that you've been doing, in particular in relation to um, decolonizing. Um, a little bit of background about me, I work at De Montfort in Leicester. Um, I'm a professor of education and technology there and a national teaching fellow. Um, I've been working with a team um, looking in the first instance at the awarding gap for undergraduate students that was um, in a, on a project called Freedom to Achieve. And I was the kind of project evaluation and research director on that. And we have a couple of publications out on the back of that. I'll talk about that in a little bit more in detail in a, in a second. Um, and now I have the same kind of role um, on our decolonizing DMU project, which has been uh, running since 2019. So um, um, I just wanna, I guess I'm, I'm not reclaiming I don't know what I'm claiming in terms of expertise. I'm not sure I'm claiming any. What I want to do really is to talk you through some of the things that we have been doing as we've tried to widen out our work in relation to postgraduate research and some of the issues that have cropped up in that space that we are trying to work through that may then trigger um, some conversation. So I've got, I've also should say, I'll, I'll pop into the chat afterwards. Um, I've, got, I've got these slides and some other papers a self audit tool that we generated and a presentation on research ethics and PGR um, on my website. So um, I'll ping those in the chat so you'll have access to those um, as well. I also want to add that much of this work has come out of um, long, a long period of work with doctors Lucy Ansley and Paris Connolly, who both currently work at DMU. Um, Lucy is the research fellow on the decolonizing DMU project and Paris was her um was her maternity cover and it was a great privilege to kind of work with them and this work would not have been possible without them so this is what i want to talk about for the next kind of 25 minutes i'm going to rattle through um i want to try to situate work on the intersection of decolonizing and pgr inside an in, an institutional anti-racist program of work called decolonizing dmu where that previous, previously that program of work has not really prioritized research. It's prioritized on the undergraduate experience. It's, it's prioritized the awarding gap in particular. So I wanna talk about that really, and in particular inside an institution that is teaching intensive and research active. Um, again, these slides are available. I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of an overview just to say that, um, in terms of our PGR, these are the latest figures that we have, but in, in relation to our PGR population by ethnic group, um, it, is, it, is, it is relatively mixed. There are lower levels of, of white and certainly white British students um, than, the, than the sector average. That's one kind of layer 
against which we're kind of trying to think about this work, going a little bit deeper to kind of think about um, moving beyond uncovering that layer to try to revealing what exists within that layer, we can see that there's a, a, a very definite layer of level of kind of complexity within that in terms of what we mean by not white, I guess. I mean, white in itself is quite is, is complex. And I'm not going here into thinking about other intersections in relation to gender, in relation to disability, in relation to kind of, um, I guess, um, more intersectional kind of understandings. Um, so there is a kind of a layer, a set of layers within that against which our work has to be placed. So we're, if we're trying to engage with the lived experiences of students within this space, and in order that those that range of students can see themselves reflected in the institution and as creating the research environment within the institution there are a, that it isn't as simple for us as kind of white and then BAME and we're trying to we're trying to I guess kind of think through that when we're working with supervisory teams or on doctoral training for instance and another layer within this for us which is which is increasingly important we're seeing within some within some doctoral research and I'll talk about that in terms of linguistics a little bit later is in relation to what our PGR population looks like in relation to home and international students and what the implications there may be of working with international students through a kind of decolonizing lens um, it's important to note here I guess that our in these in these figures, our PGR population classed as black is of African heritage. Um, now, the that's kind of a way of kind of I guess trying to talk about the complexities within which we're we're talking about the population that populations that we're engaging with, and that will be mirrored with our kind of staff groupings as well. Although our staff groupings tend to look a lot more like me um, and tend to be a lot more white and a lot more male, certainly in particular areas of the university. I just want to give a little bit of background in terms of the context of where this where the work I'm going to talk about has come from and situate that kind of unraveling of the um, of the of the PGR cohort. Our our background, our work over the course since really since 2017, when we were part of a, a higher education funding council for England project that then became an office for students funded project called Freedom to Achieve. Our focus in that was on undergraduate achievement and awarding. Nothing to do with the kind of student experience beyond that. We weren't really thinking about um, institutional policies and procedures, and we certainly weren't thinking about research. Freedom to Achieve was a partnership where it was led by Kingston University, and they, they had, they had, they had a, an inclusive curriculum framework, which is um, in this diagram, is the, uh, the module on the kind of top right, or sort of, well, whatever that is, two o'clock on the right. At the top, they'd also, at 12 o'clock, they'd also um, defined some value added metrics by which kind of program teams could look at the awarding gap within their, within their programs. We were looking at this effectively, trying to, trying to link it at the time with work we were doing on, on disability and support for universal design for learning as well around kind of, um, around, around disability and changes to, um, the DSA in particular that the, that the 2015, I think it was, Tory government had brought in. So we were thinking about this really from an, a kind of undergraduate awarding perspective and in our co-creation events with students, there are some headline, thing, headline categories that came out that I think are important that we carried through into our work with PGR students 
from 2019. So this was uncovered. We, had, we ran some co-creation events with students in 2017 through 19. And some of the issues that they, that they flagged, that those students flagged with us and with program teams are around relationships. So relationships inside the institution, but also inside the classroom, however constructed. Could be lecture, could be supervisory team, I guess, if we're thinking about PGR. Thinking about um, their own development in the space as well, and whether that was culturally relevant in relation to the kind of the, the academic support that they were getting. I think that that's important for us to consider. Stuff around employability as well, and whether that, whether the kind of that outplacement stuff beyond the institution, certainly very relevant, I think, for some of my PhD students, whether that, whether that was specialised enough for them to kind of think about their own kind of, their own kind of, I guess, cultural and identity related work in that space. The cultural kind of engagement in terms of teaching and learning, which we kind of, we all know about, and a lot of this has come from as well, is in there. But also um, issues around the kind of campus community, whether there's a sense of belonging, and belonging was talked about a lot. One of the other things that was talked about a lot was a perception of inherent whiteness within the, within the space. And these are, these are some of the issues that we wanted to kind of carry through and think about in the context of our PGR work. So that was, 2017 through 2019 with this hefty and office to students funded project freedom to achieve the, the outcome of that work really was that we needed to go wider than awarding we needed to go wider than um, uh, our engagement with the with the undergraduate issues around retention progression continuation awarding so this was broader than the continuum so we defined this project called um, decolonizing DMU which was predicated upon um, five areas, work on work with staff, work with students, broadly constructed, library and learning services, um, research, and then the institution. And the institutional stuff was really about the race equality charter application that we were working towards. But it was also thinking about policies and structures and issues in relation to things like recruitment and retention. At that point at the start, and this, this connects, I think, to our kind of research philosophy, we were also produced um, a, dra a draft working position. It's a working position. It is permanently in kind of draft format. It is permanently kind of up for grabs. It was a moment in which we were trying to synthesize what the, what the project as a whole was about. And it is important to note that it's called decolonizing DMU. It, is, it deliberately centers a process. It deliberately centers the idea that this is a movement that this isn't a fixed thing, that I cannot define Jerusalem on the hill for you. But we might all, in that process of kind of moving, we're thinking about the work of, for instance, the Zapatista movement, the, 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 the asking we move, that we, that we question where we are in order to take the next step, in order to question where we are, in order to take the next step. So we were trying to think about this um, at the intersection of kind of plural approaches, thinking about this in terms of difference and the dignity of difference, thinking about this in terms of diversifying in all sorts of spaces and ways, decentering, and that's super important. I'll come on to talk about when we think about what postgraduate research students asked, told us about theory and method within their work. So thinking about decentering um, knowledge production, thinking about relationality within that and and devaluing hierarchies and i'm i'm super um again kind of aware of the fact that this is a white male professor talking to you about this kind of stuff um 
and also diminishing some voices and opinions that are predominating. And the, uh, there's a link to the working position, and, it, and it's taken really from a kind of anal an analysis of work on critical race, on abolitionist studies, on critical university studies as well. And it sits at that kind of intersection. So as we've moved forward with decolonizing DMU, we have tried to anchor research in the space much more than it, than it was. So we've renewed it at the start of the fag end of last year and the start of this year, moving away from those five kind of components, moving towards four commitments. This echoes the work of um, London Metropolitan University as they've generated their work on an anti-racism strategy, which also had commitments embedded within it. And that was a kind of response to some of the work of the ECHR on tackling racism in universities from 2019. The quality of education and research is embedded within that. Also issues around um, progression and representation in relation to kind of staff within that space as well. And what, we, what might happen there around equality impact, for instance, around promotions. However, however, we have a new vice chancellor, well, new vice chancellor. She's Katie Normington has been with us since January 2021. Prior to that, um, we had an interregnum with an interim vice chancellor for two years. So at the moment of genesis of decolonizing DMU, we had moved from a previous vice chancellor who, who left us um, into, a, into, a, into a period of an interim, which is about 18 months, and then a new vice chancellor. So all of a sudden, the kind of strategic governance of this, there was a space inside which we could reframe stuff. Now we're seeing with a kind of a new take on it that there's much more of a push on on how we map this work to our access and participation plan, the race equality charter, and thinking again about the awarding gap. So that kind of sense of liberatory, emancipatory work that I talked about in the in the in the in the working paper gets dialed down because of strategic kind of imperatives. So I just want to move on to talk about the the research environment within this within this um, the context of this project. We had, a, we had a range of um, priorities, stuff we wanted to do, evaluate the impact of, of the project's activity. We wanted to generate a deeper understanding of the journey to become anti-racist. We wanted to analyze, and this is more important, these the next two are the kind of things I'm gonna talk about in the next few slides, analyzing the institutional research environment, in particular insight because our research students sit within our research institutes and research centers and they relate to our doctoral training programs and they are supported by our doctoral college. So that research environment and issues around the research community, thinking about um, uh, anti-racist research principles were, the, were also moving to the heart of the work we were doing within this strand. Uh, we were also trying to explore um, perceptions of what decolonizing means to the, the university as a whole. And I'll come on to talk about some of the outcomes from that because they, they, there's a real tension between those, I think, when we, when we have worked with and talked to staff on the one hand, and what some of the PhD students, PGR students that we talked to through workshops have told us um, in relation to kind of the conservatism of the former and the kind of the desire for more radical um, action on the on the on the for the latter. Um, there's a lot of stuff on here. This this is just I guess some of the stuff around the environment that we've done, looking at data with research services in terms of kind of um, who is involved in projects, who has been bidding, who is PI on projects, 
who's involved in impact case studies, how are PGRs and how is the work of PGRs involved in that. We've done some work with our faculty head of research students um, in business and law on admissions and transitions. I'll talk about that in a second with a dedicated doctoral working group. Um, we've discussed research training centrally. Um, we've engaged with the um, Faculty Research Ethics Committee in Health and Life Sciences, which I happen to chair now in terms of decolonizing and ethics. Um, and there's a link here to a, um, a presentation that I gave to a, STEM, a decolonizing STEM curriculum working group on decolonizing and ethics as well that you can access. And also crucially, we had, a, we had discussions with 10 of our research institutes um, and centers. And I have to confess here that we had 32. I went, I went, I went to 10 friends, if I'm honest with you, because there are some I knew would, would definitely want to give us a harder ride who, who definitely have do not have a view that um, issues around decolonizing are structural within institutions and certainly do not apply to um, P, the PGR experience. So for us then um, there was a, a I guess a, a focus a little bit of a focus on um, thinking about through that work the home home versus international or home and international and the way in which home and international are, are entangled was an issue including some work on um, language and language in the supervisory space and language within institutions in relation to pgr work so there's a link here to some of the work of one of my um, one of the phd students whom i'm privileged to work with sumaya luna who is who is doing work on um the experience of international students and uh, looking at this in terms of ratio linguistics um, thinking as well about this in relation to um, decolonizing and research engaged teaching. So trying to think about that, trying to think about the relationship between PGR work and in the context of more broadly research and more broadly how research in, influences scholarly practice and teaching as well. Um, how research tends to, to represent communities made marginal but tends to be short-term and, and, and conservative. So um, one of the things that we've seen almost is a, is a, a, a fear or a questioning by some people that, that actually what the work that they're doing is extractivism, it's extracting from particular communities in terms of kind of data, for instance, and what are the issues there in relation to, to um, participation and co-creation? And that, that also came out from work we were, we were exploring with PGR students. Um, and then this point about if we're trying to enhance the institution, institutions strategically tend to be obsessed with data. However, those data in for decision making, those data tend to be owned and, and managed by different groupings within the institution and trying to get access to them and to link them in order to understand how they what they reveal about the lived experiences that we are being talked about is problematic. Um, so in terms of in terms of that kind of perceptions of decolonizing, and this is this is effectively from whilst the 299 surveys here were staff and students, the interviews and the diary entries were were staff. Um, and really, I want to I just wanted, wanted to flag that the that the staff related stuff effectively focused upon um, in terms of what decolonizing means and what could be done was much more focused on EDI. It was much more focused upon kind of classic um, equality, diversity, inclusion strategies with limited engagement with reimagining the university, with reimagining what spaces might look like, 
with reimagining what um, what relationships inside the institution might look like. But it was much more predicated upon kind of equality of opportunity, really, and not seeing kind of structural issues as being a problem within the space. Um, for some staff, there was much there was much more of a sense of an argument that actually you can't decolonize a neo-colonial space, and that is what the university in the global north is. Um, for some black and ethnically minoritized students and staff, um, there was a, a sense that actually there's a, there are problems of trust in, in trusting the institution to deliver um, and that any engagement will just purely be tokenistic. Um, there's all, it was also problematic, certainly for, um, for three of the staff that we interviewed and it came through in a number of the survey open text responses um, that, that um, what some white students and staff Whole whole range of stuff here around denial, around refusal, about and in particular around what aboutery, and that what aboutery being about white working class boys in particular. So here we were trying to situate our work on decolonizing. I think around trying to how do we build a longer term strategy whilst at the same time focusing upon this idea that that we can take an anti racist approach, which is daily and personal and local and challenging, whilst at the same time doing more decolonizing work that might be about unlearning and might be about culture change. So in terms of PGR, this is a little bit more detail about what we about what we have been doing over the course of the last kind of 18 to 24 months, influenced and impacted by COVID, I would have to say, because that really slowed down um, progress within the institution. So the first thing that we that I want to talk about that we did was um, around this issue of, of having a working group in our Faculty of Business and Law that was catalyzed in conversation with our um, faculty head of research students who was subsequently left. And so some of the momentum has drifted away because of that. The work that they were interested in discussing, and we, we held a series of workshops on this, was around um, barriers to inclusivity and ensuring that we can support diversity in relation to candidates and how we, I guess, support transition and the criteria that we use when reviewing and assessing applications in relation to the types of methods, the, the backgrounds, the, 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 the connections and identities that people are coming in with, and their, their methodological approaches that they want to come in with, um, rather than necessarily forcing them down a kind of a standard sort of set of routes. And there was a sense that that, that was happening, and there was a need to effectively to, to undertake some uh, more reflexive development or training with um, potential supervisors, focused really on kind of unpacking kind of the language you, we use in relation to assessment. So how are we assessing excellence? How are we assessing originality? Are we thinking about implicit or unconscious bias when we are um, when we're working with prospective students and also with those who are transitioning into the institution? And what this group wanted to do was draft a, a core set of principles around recruitment um, with their supervisors that would be that would have to think about this issue of balancing disciplinary or subject-based quality whatever that is and issues of equality or equity um, so in the workshops that we held people were focused on applications are principles and criteria being applied equally are they transparent for instance is some stuff hidden is there a hidden curriculum in relation to this? 
do we is there an expectation of conformity and hegemonic narratives within um within the kind of theoretical and methodological domains um and how are we communicating what we what we're looking for um understanding that we're dealing with developmental and naive and novice and um researchers in this space also being mindful within this and this was brought up by a number of of, of, of supervisors about the emotional labor that will be required both of, both of PGR students and of supervisors given how given how intense this work could be and that for some there would be an, they would have to invoke cultural code switching in order to cope within the institution one of the other issues that was raised was um, was how how do we manage all of this within within a competitive environment where where we just have the record results out and people are competing for um for, for um internal bursaries they're, they're competing for um for resources institutions are are and disciplines and individuals are kind of locked into a, a competitive environment um and how does money work within that space in particular in relation to kind of international and home students the role of visas within that space as well was talked about um and how do we how do we appropriately mentor and involve um, a re the full range of PhDs within that space, within that kind of more competitive um, environment? Supervisors, there's another couple of slides on this. Supervisors talked about um, transitions and support, giving power to PGR students themselves as groups where those groups existed within institutes and centres. Um, in order to help overcome issues of isolation, in order to support mentoring, in order to try to support transition. And here, a very a, a critical issue was raised in terms of how to support the internal transition into PGR, into PhD, PGR work, um, rather than that focus upon external or externally funded um, uh, students, for instance. Part of, part of this as, as well was focused upon in terms of transitions the pressure, the process related pressures of the first year and how do we work with a range of students to around our relationships, our communication of that, our expectations of that. So in particular here in relation to kind of probation reviews and who is undertaking those and and ethics where they might form a block methodologically or again theoretically. And here one of the issues that was was raised was around um, well-being in particular and um, mental health. And particularly in relation to kind of supervisory um, uh, relationships, and that's that's this is my final slide on on those kind of supervisory workshop outcomes, and that was around those kind of um, the, the consideration for supervisors, and in and in particular here, I guess, a sense of how do we broaden the skill sets within teams in order that in order that student identity identities can be supported within that within within the space and so that's a kind of constant um, negotiation with the students in terms of the in terms of the pgrs themselves what they were um, what they were focused upon was much more about horizontal relations within research institutes within their supervisory spaces respectful of people's kind of privilege as a as a as a as, a, as an established researcher with a phd 
the focus upon um, having dedicated bits of work, reading groups, for instance, um, modes of analysis, different modes of analysis and presentation in order to understand um, different perspectives, positions and values in particular. So to see this much more driven by humane values within the research environment and the research sets of relationships rather than that kind of competitive value, economic value and surplus driven approach that they were situated within. And then how to build a kind of positive, more positive, more inclusive learning environment. And again, a, a sense of coming back to kind of methodology and theory. And, and these students were quite strong on not wanting, not wanting to be involved in research that was extractive, pushing back against hegemonic theory and hegemonic methods and seeing much more kind of intersection and interaction between theory and method, thinking about engagement with grassroots and participatory work um, and thinking much more about intersectional approaches and working with um, communities. So um, I don't really want to talk much more about um, about that about kind of that side of things, other than to say that what one of the things that kind of came out of this work with ten research centres and institutes, but also with um, our students and staff, was a self audit tool, and it's linked. Here, it's also linked on my website, and I'll put the I'll put the blog post up in the chat in a second. There's also a talk, a dedicated talk about the self audit tool um, as part of our our, fest, our decolonizing festival that we had a, a month or so ago, and there's a link to it there. But one of the things that we ask research institutes and centres to look at, well, here's a, a series of issues in relation to PGR. There are there's a series of other issues we ask them to think about in terms of impact, output, environment. But in terms of um, in terms of PGR, we're thinking about we're asking them: Do they are they monitoring registrations, completions, terminations, withdrawals in order to come up with action plans? Um, how are they engaging with voice within the context of their centre or institute? How are they thinking about um, scholarships and bursaries? Are they are they thinking about um, dedicated? Um, support for black and ethnically minoritized applications into the space um, or are they just open not not I, I said just you know and, and that sounds pejorative but is there dedicated work that is that is happening in order to decode the space um, for a range of students oh this is a critical one are students being supported in finding mentors outside of their supervisory teams I've just we've just um, been working on with one student um, that I supervise on, on finding someone who can help them in much more detail around critical race. Um, so, so we brought that person in. And then what are we thinking about in terms of, what are you thinking about in terms of methodology and theory, the, the construction and composition of supervisory teams and also of examination teams. So this is a range of stuff that we are thinking about in relation to that. Um, so that's the kind of last slide on this. I just, I just then just want to caution, I guess, before I finish, that a lot of this is now is now increasingly governed, as we know, um, by a drive, um, a policy drive, a governance and regulation and funding drive around value and value for money. So we we see this being driven by the Office for Students, um, have a value for money strategy, which against which institutions are regulated. 
and there's been a, a an, in, an increasing, I guess, momentum around ideas of value as opposed to humane values. And one of the things that our project has been trying to do is to think about relationality, humane values, however we define those. And as I said before, a kind of movements of, of dignity, really. But they they do tend to run up against these regulatory requirements around value and surplus within the space. We equally know that the government is um, is has a focus on freedom of speech and it constricts that in a particular way as well. And at the bottom here, we have a, a, a recent tweet from Susan Lapworth, the um, uh, the acting um, head of the Office of Students, talking talking about how she would expect autonomous autonomous universities to be thinking carefully and independently about free speech when signing up to. She talks about these sorts of schemes. She's talking about Athena Swan, race equality charter. She's talking about work around decolonizing, for instance. So there's a there's a cult, there's a cultural and policy terrain that's being constructed in this space and we we know that there's a need for this work to happen there's a a lot of evidence that has that has been kind of raised from the kind of leading roots um, work in relation to the pgr the um ehrc's work on tackling racial harassment for instance the intersectional and differential experiences of mental health for instance so we know that there's an issue there but it is being challenged explicitly by government in this space and it does mean that for institutional leaders trying to do work for instance around decolonizing and PGR there's a line to be there's a line to be trodden I guess so here's just a few quotes from from Gavin Williamson um, as part of the, the government's um, higher education restructuring regime for around COVID-19 so if you wanted if you want if you want monies if you're struggling and you want monies in in relation to kind of your response to the pandemic it's now closed um, then, then there are efficiencies, there are requirements wrapped around that. And, and one of them there is a, a commitment to academic freedom and free speech and student, student unions should not be subsidizing niche activism and campaigns. Um, the DFB in a statement in 2020 on re reducing bureaucratic burden in research and innovation, again, um, marked out Athena Swan and race equality work um, as inefficient, and bureaucratic, and detracting from core teaching activities. Um, in the free, the, the free speech and academic freedom um, uh, bill, it's very clear that it regards decolonizing as um, a contested political ideology. So there's there's that space as well. And then um, Temi Badenoch speaking in response to the the, the CRED Commission. Um, it's very clear that an institutional response and a societal response to a lot of these issues should be around the individual and the individual's agency and resilience and, and support and that support should come from institutions that there is no structural set of issues that are, that are driving any of these problems in relation to for instance um, PGR transition or PGR um, achievement and awarding and instead the issue here is around quality and standards choice-based consumer rights, um, access to participation, and then employment outcomes, that it is going to be outcomes that drive this. So I just, I think it's important that that policy framework shapes the, the institutional appetite for this work, and it shapes some of the responses that we're seeing from staff in relation to conservative responses, as opposed to the PGR students' desire and drive for something more radical. And that's it for this episode. Mm -hmm. 
Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and join me next time where I'll be talking to somebody else about researchers, development and everything in between. Thank you.